You're about to listen to my interview with Jenna Switzer, who is a holistic sex coach and yoga teacher trainer. The interview was filmed in one sitting, but I've broken it up into two separate episodes. So if you haven't caught the first one, then go back and listen to the episode before this. And this is the rest of it in part two. Enjoy. And we also think like very destination, right? Like, yeah. Am I close? If I move like this, do I get yeah. closer? Is he close? Should I be moving more? Do I need to move less? Like we're, we're kind of thinking about the destination and, you know, a really great practice. It's in the come as you are book is, is like take orgasms off the table. Just decide that you and your partner are not going to orgasm today. And then what does that experience look like? Right. Wow. If you stop and you just like focus on your breath, what does that feel like? And it's so intimate when you just sit with your partner and you synchronize your breath with theirs right? Like that feels so connected. Mm -hmm. And if you're in a heated moment and you're focusing on their orgasm or your orgasm or whatever, then you really lose those like really powerful, intimate moments that really deepen your connection. Mm -hmm. And so through all of these practices, you, you know, you've spoken about how it's shifted and changed your pleasure. Um, have you seen the same impact in people that you've worked with as well? Totally. One of the things when I first started, I wanted my coaching packages to be six months because I was like, it's going to take at least six months. There's no way people can, you know, transform. Like it took me years, right? Like, so it's going to take people a long time. But what's really blown my mind is it how little time it actually takes to really transform. And I think it took me years because I was very like painstakingly putting it together and trial mm-hmm. and error. And I don't have the answers for everyone. That's definitely, definitely, I cannot claim that. And I do know that, like we're saying, these holistic practices. So yoga has been around for forever. Like the concepts around, you know, sitting and meditation and mindfulness mm-hmm. and movement and embodying our practice, like those concepts have been around for like thousands of years. And so the idea that those are going to improve our, well, they improve everything in our life. Everything, we, yeah. We know that. And so it's like, to the exclusion of sex, like, of course not. Absolutely. It, it sounds also so improves obvious. Sex. I know. That's a thing. That's what like blows my mind so much. And then once you start these practices and like, so the communication thing, some people struggle so much with communication, especially in the bedroom, that even like making moaning sounds is too much for them. Like that's that's a lot to just communicate mm. via moaning. So for clients that I've worked with like that, we start with like humming. So I have this little playlist of humming songs that I get them to like pick one or two songs and just hum your way through and just keep humming. And so then when you're in the bedroom, like bring back that humming, like, like just hum when it feels good. And then that gives them that, like now they're creating sound. Now they can actually hear themselves expressing pleasure, which sometimes turns them on even more. So it's like, it's really amazing how these like simple, simple tools transform in very, very little time, considering it takes us like 20, 30 years of like bad habits to get to a point where we're like, I'm going to hire a coach. I'm going to change things. And then like, it takes three months, six months max to like make these changes. Like I, my programs now are three months because the majority of people, like the things that they're struggling with, if they really dedicate themselves to it, it's three months and, and it's just completely changed. And that's the consistency, right? It is. Yeah. And then like 
really thinking about it and, mm. and being more conscious, right? Being more present. Yeah, that's incredible. I, uh, being able to undo, I, I suppose it's not really undo, it's just learning new practices, learning mm. new tools, and then being able to implement and try them. Totally. Um, and if you think about like that analogy of the like treehouse, it's like, which of these boards are rotten, right? Because not yeah. all of them are, right? There are some things that you learned that are probably pretty useful. And so you're just taking out the ones that aren't going to hold weight and you're putting in new ones, you know, like, so it's not always a completely like taking everything out and putting all new boards. It's, it's like, for some of us, it's just like adjusting. It's just like assessing, is this one safe? Yes. Okay. Is this one safe? No. Okay. What do I need to bring in instead? Yeah. I'm even thinking when, when you were saying, um, about clients who might feel a bit apprehensive about being vocal during sex and moaning, I wonder how much of an impact having negative sexual experiences with previous partners has on causing, I guess like blockages or something Mm -hmm. in, in you, you know, because if you've been with a partner and they've expressed something in some way, and as you said, we have a tendency to take that personally, you almost like then don't want to go on to the next partner Mm -hmm. and apply any of that, or you kind of become much more reserved. Have you found that with people you've worked with as well? Yeah. And we almost accept someone else's truth as more valid than our own. Mm-hmm. You know, so if there's something about ourselves we liked, but then someone told us they didn't like it, then we're like, oh, they must be right and I must be wrong. You know, like yeah. the way that I like, you know, I actually like that I'm vocal in bed. And then someone's like, wow, you're so obnoxious in the bedroom. Like, why are you so loud? Like, I definitely had one partner tell me that he's like, you're you're just like a porn movie. He's like, it's, it's not hot when you're faking oh, wow. it all the time. And I was like, I wasn't faking, but now that you've made me self-conscious, I feel like maybe I should be, you know, and like, it's those things where, where we take on someone else's truth as our own, Mm -hmm. right? Where in reality, it's like, I, I like, if I'm in a situation, I like to be able to be vocally expressive. And I really hope my partner appreciates that about me, you know? And if that's not something he appreciates, then we can have a conversation, but telling me that, you know, like, um, speaking down to me or trying to like, shame me for the way I express myself is not beneficial to anybody at all. So yeah, it's this criticism. I think mm-hmm. and, and when we're talking about communication in the bedroom, because it is something very personal and delicate. And as you said, we generally all want to please our partners and we want, mm-hmm. I think we're often thinking more for our partner than we are for our own pleasure. So we're really thinking about yes. someone else's pleasure and giving feedback in a kind and constructive way is so important. I know for me, um, I've always had quite a high sex drive. And as you said, there's this typical picture of like men want sex all the time, women don't. There's um, the stereotype of, oh, he wants to instigate sex and she's like, no, I've got a headache and blah, blah, blah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That was never the case for me. I've never had that problem. (laughs) And I had a partner tell me that it was like a turn off and really aggressive when I initiated sex because for him, like a guy should be doing it. And so I found myself just becoming smaller and smaller to the point where through the course of the relationship, I pretty much just stopped initiating sex. 
And that meant I was withholding, like I wasn't really being true to myself because it meant that at times when I really just wanted to be intimate and, um, and obviously like have sex and just like have fun as well. For me, like sex is really fun. Yes. It's just a great way to enjoy your partner and like enjoy something together. But I felt like I just, I couldn't do that anymore. And that, you know, carried forward into, yeah, just like, I think my general approach to sex is like, I started getting really paranoid about, oh, am I, am I too forward? Am I Mm -hmm. being too aggressive? Is it, it, it's not hot when women initiate sex. Like you just get so in your head about it. And that's all it takes is one or two comments here and there. Totally. And I think that there's two things here. So one is if we're talking about something that happened with a former partner, right? There's a lot of healing that we can do. I know a Mm -hmm. lot of women have had their vulva criticized, like you know, their, their oh. inner labia are too long or, you know, the clitoris is impossible Who to find. Who are these or, people? I don't, I don't know. But like, I'm sorry, I also, you've, got a, you've got a vulva in front of you. You've hit the jackpot. Yeah, I know. But I also think that like it comes from, because it's, it's super easy for me to be like, oh my gosh, this is so ridiculous. Like why are men such idiots or why are women such idiots? But in reality, it's because of all the shame we have, right? So someone making a comment about, you know, the labia are too long. It's, it's coming from their own embarrassment of like, they've, they've never seen this before. They thought it looked like this. Now it looks like this. They don't really know what to do. They don't know. You know what I'm saying? Like Mm -hmm. in the one hand, it's so frustrating that someone thinks that's okay to say. And on the other hand, it's like, well, why have we conditioned people to do this? Why, why is this something? So I think that there's like understanding to be had on both sides, but if you're healing from something that someone has said to you in the past, Mm -hmm. it's like, there's an act of like forgiveness for like, they didn't know. And if they did know, and they did do it on purpose, that's like a cut because that's on them. Right. And you move forward in your own practice in your own body, in your own like love of self. And then I think there's also sometimes that we say things to people we love and and maybe we casually drop it. Like maybe, you know, say you were still with a partner who had told you like, hey, it's really not sexy when women initiate. And that could come from his embarrassment around how little sex he wants or, you know, just like something. And then, so if this is a past partner, then you can like work through that mentally. But if it's a current partner, now you're talking about a new set of issues, right? So how can we address this? Hey, remember that time that you brought this up about me not initiating sex? The truth is I feel like I'm stifling myself by not initiating. And Mm. I want my initiation to turn you on. So what does it look like for you to be turned on when I'm ready to have sex? Like, how do we find that place together? So I think it's not just something that happens in past relationships. Sometimes it's happening accidentally in our current Mm. relationships. Maybe somebody says something flippantly when they're tired and it really sticks for us and the other person forgets they ever said it, right? So I think there's, there's kind of two ways to like deal and process with these things. Yeah. And I think as, as you said, I guess in not taking it personally is also understanding that sometimes people are projecting their own insecurities, mm-hmm. their own stuff onto someone else. And that looks like blame or criticism mm-hmm. for someone else. And there's, and a, there's an acceptance. So not so long ago, um, I had an experience where I didn't want to have sex and uh, my partner was like, oh my God, you never want to have sex with me. 
And there's like kind of a pause because I was like, first off, that's very dramatic. We both know that's yeah. not true. Um, but it was like a pause and I was like, I can acknowledge that I seem to want sex less than you. And that's probably really frustrating for you. And by saying that, I completely diffused the situation and wow. we were able to have a very, very productive talk. Right mm -hmm. now, if I had have said to him, like, okay, you're an idiot. Like we just had sex yesterday. Clearly I don't never want sex, you know? So it, because that would have just escalated. So yeah. instead being like, Hey, I can see where this is coming from. I want to validate your feelings that this is frustrating for you. So how can we move forward in a way that you don't feel frustrated? And I feel like my boundaries are being respected. Right. So I think that it's really important that you, you don't take it personally. You realize that this is coming from them and their place of hurt. And, and we all want to love and support our partner in their like processing of pain. So it's like, how can I acknowledge, you know, really see that that's where you're at and also allow us to move forward rather than just like hitting each other back and forth with like insults or, or hurtful things. Yeah, because I think the ego takes a bit of a hit and then there's mm -hmm. a desire then to shame the other person or bring something else yes. up that's not even relevant to the conversation. <laughs> and that yes. really just comes back down to clear and healthy communication, Ta -da! <laughs> which is the magic of it all, isn't it? It's the thing that like, I don't know if other people have this, but like I get so annoyed when the answers are so effing simple. Like I want it to be complex. I want to have to go for a yoni steam, you know, three times a month, plus have to use like my jade egg every other day, plus do like a yoni gazing practice twice a year on the equinox. You know, like I want it to be complex because it feels like if it was like complex, then it would be like real. But like, it would justify it's like, why it's so hard. Yes. But the fact that it's just like breathing and communication, you're just like, is this a joke? Like, are you it. kidding me? Like, this is the foundation? Like, oh, that's so annoying. <laughs> but it's just, it's skills that we aren't taught. We're yeah. taught everything else in school. We're mm -hmm. told about the complicated things, but that's exactly it. We miss out on the most basic things, how to breathe properly. Like, yeah. don't hold your breath during sex. <laughs> yes. And then, and then communicate. Like, how do yeah. I communicate though? How do I express myself in a clear way that is productive and healthy. Mm -hmm. We aren't taught these things. Um, I'm interested because what you were saying earlier about, uh, I suppose, you know, like criticisms of bodies and stuff and something that came to mind for me was wondering the impact of porn in everyday relationships and whether that mm -hmm. has shaped, um, I suppose, the way that we imagine sex to be or the way that we imagine bodies to be have you found like what I guess what are your thoughts on this yeah I think it has a impact both on men and women um, both in what we expect from our partner and what our partner expects from us or what we project onto ourselves so mm -hmm. definitely I remember a while ago a bachelorette um, group hired me for a like a workshop during the bachelorette weekend. And okay. so I was like giving a talk about squirting and the girls could not believe that like squirting isn't necessarily what it's like in porn. Like they thought all porn squirting was real. And I was like, well, no, like that's, that's an excessive amount of liquid. Like I'm not saying that women can't squirt a lot, but I'm saying that probably not. And it's, 
I thought it was fairly common knowledge that it's, it's, they use women, they use um, water, right? And then a woman can engage the muscles and force the water out again. So I thought, I thought that was common knowledge. And they were just like, are you kidding me? Like, I thought that was real. I was like, okay, so your idea about squirting is what you saw in porn. And I can tell you right now, the majority of squirting porn is not anatomically accurate. Like those are not the things that generally speaking are gonna help women squirt. So it was like a really interesting thing to hear like a group of women mm. say like, oh, this is what I've always thought because of porn. Because I, I had until that point associated porn being like a man problem, that mm -hmm. men watch it and have unrealistic expectations. But the fact is we have also unrealistic expectations about like size or the experience that we're going to have in penetration or how we should be reacting in penetration or what kind of things we should like to have you know like I don't know if you've ever done a yoga photo shoot this is a weird parallel but I'm going to draw it anyway if you do a yoga photo shoot sometimes you're actually out of alignment when you do the pose because yes. when you're taking yep. the photo it looks in the photo like it's in alignment so it doesn't matter yep. what's happening in real life what matters is what shows up in it's the photo the way right? that it looks yeah yes for the photo so mm -hmm. it's the same thing in porn right like it's not this isn't about the pleasure of the people having the experience. Yeah, it's about right. the pleasure of the person watching. So what they are doing is for you to get sexual arousal, not for them. And so if you think about it that way, it's like, oh, okay, well then that explains why they're doing that position. Cause that position has never given me any kind of pleasurable sensation. Right. Um, and I heard this interesting podcast um, I think the podcast is Modern Wisdom, and I cannot remember who he was interviewing, but she described porn as a vector. Mm -hmm. So anytime you interact with porn, you move from where you are to another place. Right. And so if you interact with porn often, then you take your headspace into a different place over and over and over and over again. So you end up on a trajectory moving consistently in a direction that maybe you don't even recognize you're moving towards, right? Unrealistic expectations, mm -hmm. um, arousal that's only happening from like really intense visuals, like all of these kinds of things, right? And I, I think that the, the easiest way to deal with it, I'll say easiest air quotes, is to not engage, right? Because if you're not engaging with that vector, you're not moving in the direction without yeah. your awareness. Short of that, understanding that it's a vector, right? So when you watch porn, you do not stop watching porn at the same place as where you started. You have taken wow. your head, you have conditioned neural pathways in a certain way. Mm -hmm. And so if you understand that, then you're able to kind of take a step back and be a bit more mindful about consumption. Again, I'll say, quote unquote, easiest way is to just cut it out altogether because then yeah. you're not being you're not creating these neural pathways that aren't, that have like scientifically shown not to be helpful at all. And if that's not something you don't want to cut it completely out of your life, you like watching porn with your partner, you like porn for whatever reason, there's lots of ethical porn, there's female mode porn, like there's all kinds of different porn and you decide you are going to engage, just be mindful that you are conditioning yourself in some way and be intentional about the way that you are conditioning yourself. Yeah, right. Oh, I think what you just explained is what I have intuitively felt about porn mm -hmm. because I've, I've never engaged with porn 
and my ex almost made me feel like quite ashamed about it because he was like every every guy watches porn and I'm like well that's not true because I've had exes who haven't Mm -hmm. and I was like and I don't and he's like well what's your problem with it and I couldn't and I remember being like I have these feelings about it intuitively I was like I just don't think that it's a path that I want to go down and so Mm -hmm. I just I don't want to engage with it and I and I don't feel that it's right for me but I felt quite ashamed of it almost because I do know that most people have Mm -hmm. engaged with porn at some point in some way um and a lot of people do watch it regularly and and so for me there's just a part that feels quite relieved I think in hearing you say that because I'm like oh that's what I felt but but because it wasn't necessarily, I didn't, I, I didn't articulate it in such a clear way and mm. it was just something, you know, I accept there are things that I know because I've received information externally or there's just stuff that I feel I know because intuitively in my gut it's like this is, this is right. So right. thank you for that. <laughs> I mean, that's a whole nother topic, but the like intuition that we have I think is a key part of like – creating polarity for sexual pleasure. And Mm -hmm. another exercise that I do quite often is to encourage people to write down all the times their intuition was correct, right? And it's like, I had this intuition, I couldn't prove it, and now I'm seeing that it was accurate. And I think that that's really important. And, And the thing about it is you can't outsource your intuition, You, your intuition is inside of you, men, women, we all have it and you know, and, and the habit of listening to your intuition takes practice. So, you know, if I talk to someone right now and I say like, Hey, what does your intuition tell you about porn? And, you know, we'll just use a stereotypical man. He's like, actually my intuition tells me that it's fine. I'm like, okay. Um, and then we have the practice of listening to their intuition a couple of weeks go by and I say like, Hey, how does your intera- intuition feel about porn? It's like, well, actually, I feel like I'm consuming too much. Okay, mm. awesome. Um, how can we fix that? So I really feel that this intuitive voice inside of us knows. Yeah. And the practice of listening is really going to support our, well, our best life, but definitely our best experiences of pleasure. Yeah, I love that, which is something I think, for many of us, we spend a lot of time ignoring whether that's mm. because we doubt ourselves or because other people have questioned it. And so we just end up in a position of not trusting it, not listening at all. Absolutely. Oh, great advice. So <laughs> for people wanting to explore and understand pleasure more, whether within a relationship or if they're not in a relationship on their own, what do you recommend? So definitely the first thing I recommend is this pleasure list of like simple pleasures in your day-to-day life. Um, And I'm talking like, you know, that first cup of coffee you have, like when you smell it brewing, that's pleasure. Mm -hmm. You know, it's, it's the sensation when there's like a breeze. I don't drink coffee, but I I love that smell. Yeah, I get that fully. (laughs) Totally. Yeah. So it's those little moments. It doesn't have to be anything big and dramatic. It's, it's creating that mindfulness around pleasure, which Mm -hmm. starts to condition you to be more sensitive to what feels good. Right. I think that that's really, really important. Um, and an easy, easy way to drop into the moment, be more present with sensations is 
by breathing, by taking a few moments of mindfulness breathing, three minutes, like just give yourself something to focus on your inhale, focus on your exhale. Some people really find repeating the word inhale as a breath goes in and repeating the word exhale as a breath goes out helps because we're Mm -hmm. so used to thinking about something that just thinking about your breath isn't enough. So sometimes repeating those words, sometimes like kind of trying to trace the sensation as you breathe in through your nose, how deep can you feel that breath? Mm -hmm. And then as you breathe out, where does that breath out start? Um, So there's lots of different tips and tricks on how to be more mindful in the breath. But I think that that's like really the foundation. Um, Mm -hmm. And the other thing is, I mean, if we're good, I'll give three. So the first one I would say is like, this practice of pleasure, being mindful. Um, Secondly, it would be like focusing on your breath. And then the third thing would be start to notice your communication habits um, with your friends, with your family, with your partner, um, and start to be aware of places that you are compromising your truth, that you're not being fully honest. And how can you be more authentic in a way that's aligned for you. So not just Mm. authentic as in like, hey, I think that dress looks stupid on you. But like, hey, I have some thoughts. You know, I noticed that you've been wearing this. I don't don't think it's the most flattering outfit, but I do really love when you, you know what I'm saying? Like just putting in a way that's loving and supportive rather than aggressive. I love that three tools that ultimately lead to a healthier, more improved life in the bedroom has nothing to do with the physical act of sex itself. Isn't that just incredible? Yeah. Yeah, I know. It's really about taking it outside of the bedroom. All the time that we spend outside is what ultimately improves what happens inside. Totally. Yeah. Amazing. Oh, I love your work, Jenna. So if people want to get in touch with you, how can they do that? Um, through my website, jennaswitzer.com, through Instagram, it's Jenna underscore Switzer. Um, I think those are probably the best ways to reach out. Um, yeah. And then you offer coaching packages, as you said. What yeah, can so people I'd- expect from something like that? Yeah, the one-on-one coaching packages usually run three months. It's bi-weekly calls. um, And then on the in-between weeks, we do audio check-ins. There are at-home practices for you. There are, it's very much tailored for each person. That being said, generally it goes through the physical side of pleasure, the energetic side of pleasure, and then the polarity of pleasure. So that's usually the breakdown of the three months. We Mm -hmm. focus more or less depending on what the person needs. Um, I also have an online community called Behind Closed Doors. So we were speaking earlier how it's really hard to talk about sex on social media. So this is kind of my answer to that is that I have an online platform. I have an online community where I can really talk about the details of sex and not feel that I have to like use code words, right? I can actually say what I'm trying to say. So um, the Behind Closed Doors online community, that's a little bit of a lower price point. So if you're just like trying to dip your toes in, you want to explore, you want to find some more practices, there's some interviews, I do live Q&As, like that's, that's a great place to explore as well. Awesome. And then you're also, just in case that wasn't keeping you busy enough, you're still running yoga teacher trainings. Yeah. I, <laughs> only only one a year though. Only one a year. And I, I really, really love that. It's, it's such a beautiful experience to watch people completely transform their lives. Like I would man, love, yoga teacher trainings I, honestly, is amazing. And I'm, I'm not just saying this because you're on the podcast, but because I don't know if you remember, I told you 
that I had found one of your classes on YouTube, not even putting together oh, that it was yeah. you because it was after we'd met. And I was like, oh my gosh, she really knows her anatomy. And I love that because I love um, teaching based on alignment yeah. and you delivered all of that. And and then I realized after I like read through, because <laughs> obviously I was just doing the class, it was all good. And then afterwards I'm like, oh my gosh, wait, that's Jenna, as in Jenna Jenna who I met. And I was like, oh, your yoga teacher trainings must be amazing. So I'm, I am hoping really one day, Aww. hopefully I'll be able to um, do another training with you. That would be fantastic. That'd be so but yeah, cool. what, are you doing, you're doing one this year? I just finished one in February. So I'll be doing one again next February. Okay. Awesome. Well, so much valuable information. Thank you so much oh, for good. joining. Um, yeah, I'll include the links to reach out to you in the show notes. Um, such a pleasure, a real pleasure. Oh, same, Amanda. <laughs> Thank you so much for reaching out. I'm so stoked to be on your podcast. I really, really appreciate yeah. you willing to have these kinds of conversations because I know they Absolutely. can be a little edgy and and I really appreciate that you're willing to be so candid and open. Oh, thank you. Thank you so much. Um, thank you to everyone who listened in and tuned into this episode today. You can follow the podcast at self double underscore podcast. You can follow me at Amanda Latran. That's Amanda L-E-T-R-A-N. If you enjoy the show, please rate and review it. Um, you can subscribe on YouTube, get this podcast anywhere you listen to your podcast and you can also watch along on YouTube. New episodes every Thursday. Thank you so much. Thanks again, Jenna. Pleasure. Thanks. Bye. Bye.